into the great Scott show on a Wednesday. Coming back on the airways with a bang today. Been a great hour plus on the radio, and it's about to get even greater because joining me now, friend of the program, friend of mine, Saints beat writer for the New Orleans Advocate slash Times Picayune. Check out all of it at NOLA.com. A U.S. Marine veteran, Luke Johnson. Hanging out with us this morning. What's up, Luke? Good morning. What is uh, what is life like for a Saints beat writer in mid July? You wake up at the crack of noon. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I woke you up this morning. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, actually, it's it's been uh, it's been kind of it, it, it's like I'm I'm uh, I'm doing all the stuff that people are you know we're we're, we're supposed to be like trying to do in the pandemic like uh, i'm getting up early and i'm exercising and i like uh-huh. just like kind of in the house all day just like okay what, what projects can i accomplish and because uh, really i, I mean there, there's nothing going on um like from the time they were done with mini camp until right now i've i've spoken to exactly one saints uh, adjacent person and that was Tyron Matthew at his football camp the other day. Um, this is like the time of year where they all go on vacation. They all get their last little bit of rest before the season starts. Cause in July 27th, I mean, we're literally two weeks away. Um, yeah, everything's going to, going to blow up and everybody's going to be impossibly busy for six, seven months. So get the rest in while you can right now. I'm like seeing some movies and theaters, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing like some light work and then and then kind of just resting up and gearing up for for training camp to start in a couple of weeks. What uh, what movie did you see? Uh, I saw Thor Ragnarok or not Thor Ragnarok, but right. Thor: Love and Thunder uh-huh. uh, Friday. A matinee, like that's I, that's I, what my life is like right now. I yeah. saw a matinee on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, I I saw a matinee as I same thing. I saw a matinee of Thor on Saturday. Um, I, I didn't, I hadn't seen, I'd only seen the first one. I was went with, you know, my wife and some friends. I don't know, Luke, it was, uh, it was just kind of meh, right? Just eh, eh. I, I, I'll give this, I'll give this to it. They went for I'm it. I'm a huge type of guy though. Like okay. I'm a huge type of guy. So like I, I, his, his humor is like right up my alley. So I, enjoy, I really enjoyed it. There you go. There you go. Uh, they, they went for it, but like, I didn't see, someone was like, well, you got to see Thor Ragnarok because then a lot of the stuff would make sense. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Probably so, but um, but yeah, I, you, you I was, actually should you actually should watch Thor Ragnarok because I, right. I think that's maybe like top two top two of the Marvel Marvel universe right there. It's like it's actually really good. good. Like first two Thor movies are kind of are kind of trash. I saw I the think, first one like opinion. twelve years ago, so I knew going into it. Like at some point, I mean, you and I talk. I mean, I, I try to keep up with like some of the better television shows, but I. At some point, you know, when I started having kids, I was like, I can't keep up with all these Marvel movies. I mean, I, I just don't. It's just there's so many. I would, I, if this had happened like when I was like in my teens and twenties, I would have just loved every second of it. But I, it's hard now. It's hard to keep up now. I don't know. I have some friends yeah, no, that like know the whole catalog like start to finish. I'm like, I good for you. I watch, you know, I know I know the X Men well because you know, that was a comic book I grew up on. So I. You know, some of the movies were good, some were bad. I think Logan's a masterpiece, although it's not exactly uh, the same tone as Thor: Love and Thunder. It's very different. But uh, I yeah, do maybe think don't it's a take masterpiece. the kids to see Logan. Yeah, no, no, don't don't want them. <laughs> That's one I watch with the boy when he's much older. But you know, you you were, you were talking about the Saints and how there's the only Saint you've talked to is Tyra Matthew. But you know, you did you wrote a great piece. Folks can check it out. Uh, came out a few days ago about 
Tyron Matthew and the camp he held. And, you know, now that you've gotten a chance to talk to him a little bit, Luke, there was so much made about his return to New Orleans, which I said I think is the icing on the cake because I think he's a great football fit for the team, right? That's that's the inside of the cake, and it's good, and it's delicious. But all the icing is all of the other great sort of humanity stories to come out with it. You know, his past, his history being, you know, by his own admission, more mature and grown up now with a family coming back to the city. Like you've, you've detailed this story quite a bit. What's your favorite part of the icing side of the Tyron Matthews story to the Saints? I mean, I, I think the thing I keep coming back to with him and I, I referenced it in that story I wrote about the camp um, is uh he really is driving home this point that, that he is looking to make an impact here, like beyond being a very good football player for the saints. Like he, he really wants to use his platform, his visibility, his, his reputation as a, as a New Orleanian who's been through some struggles um, to, to really help people who are going through hard times here. Um, and, you know, of which there are many, right. This is, this is a, a tough place to grow up. Um you know, it, it, you know, especially there's there's just like some parts of town where it's it's really hard. Tyron Matthew grew up in some some of those places, you know. Um, so I, I think uh, he's listen. He's he's full on committed to to being a like a, a very good football player. He is you know someone who thinks about his legacy in those terms. Um, you know, I know for a fact that he's been working really really hard this off season. Um, and you know he wants to prove to a lot of people out there because there are some people out there questioning whether he's still got it. He's 30 years old, and you know he's, he's a 30 year old, five foot nine <laughs> NFL safety. You know, there's there's people questioning whether he's still got it. He's, he's out to prove that he does. Um, but you know, it's, it is really just as important to him that um, these kids out here see Tyron Matthew they know what he's been through they you know he can tell them what he's been through and he's and he's saying look I, look at me I'm you know he's he's shorter than some of the high school football kids who are out there running the running his camp and he's like I, yeah, I've been in the NFL for a decade and um yeah I've been through all this stuff and I'm still here and I'm you know I'm a pro bowler and you, know, you got my face in the back of your camp t-shirts um yeah I think that's that's important that he's he's taking that that really really active role in in the youth of this city because it, you know all it takes sometimes is just that that one person is just going to kind of give you an example and show you and give you something to believe in luke johnson our guest um a couple other saints notes alvin Kamara potential suspension any guesses as to when the team might learn are, are they just i know there was a report about you know he was bracing for something and then Kamara kind of made light of that report on social media but I mean, is this is this something that you think just drags deep into training camp? Uh, you know, I, I, I people ask me all the time. I'm like, I don't. I, mean, I think he'll probably be suspended at some point. But I, other than that, you know, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, at the very least, it's going to drag into training camp. Uh, like deep into training camp, his his uh, court case is not even scheduled to be heard until I, I think mid to late August. Um, so. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely going to be no sort of NFL discipline coming down until after his his case is settled, um, and you know that might take a long time. I mean, I mean, for all I know, you know that thing might not get settled until December. You know, um, and and uh, you know this might be something that that he doesn't even have to deal with this year. Um, you just don't know. 
Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's probably like a little nugget of truth to, you know, six games being, being, uh, you know, what, what everybody's kind of anticipating here. Um, but nobody knows anything for sure. That's why you know, that, that report was hedged with bracing for six games because nobody knows anything. Um, and, you know, that's why Alvin Kamara called it out and said, you know, something about like, let me know when Jesus walks out of his tomb or something like that. I, I can't remember what it was, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just gonna, yeah, everybody's gonna have to wait and see. And, you know, we can ask about it all we want, but nobody knows anything and nobody's going to know anything until, you know, after this thing has been resolved legally. It's like you, you try to have educated guesses when it comes to this stuff, but as it pertains to Roger Goodell and how he dole, and I know he, he, people will say, well, he's not the one doling out punishment. He still kind of gets the ultimate final say if he wants it. I know, I forget the, the, the woman's name who's, you know, technically it's her role, but I think everyone's point is, is still the same in that who knows, right? I mean, people talk about locker room dancing videos and, oh, let's find the Saints more and let's do this or dock a pick. Let's not punish the Steelers much. And, you know, Saints fans are, Luke. They, they feel like the league's out to get them or whatever. They're always bracing for the worst. I mean, Saints aside, if you look at the discipline across the board, uh, team to team, player to player, it, at best, I mean, an educated guess is, I guess it's harder than if you were going to, say, have an educated guess by a similar case perhaps in the NBA or the MLB because, you know, they're, they're, there's a little bit more consistency there maybe maybe i'm just stuck in the moment with the nfl thing i mean my point is an educated guess i guess it's not there's not a whole lot of schooling for that education it's not like you have a master's in it it's just it's based on information but information that in the past has been anything but consistent if that makes sense yeah well and and i mean the nfl uh you know operates a lot of times by precedent right um yeah i think you can pretty much pretty much uh, take to the bank that a player who has a DUI is going to get a two or three game suspension. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, domestic abuse. um, Yeah. I I think you've seen the the cases where it's like six games or eight games. Um, But I I just don't think there's a ton of, a ton of precedent for this type of scenario. Um, Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's something if I could just dig back through the news archives of the NFL for the last, 30 years or so or 20 years or however long Goodell's been the commissioner. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, this is, this is a little bit different. So we're all just kind of taking what we believe to be, uh, you know, the, the amount of discipline the NFL is going to go with here. Um, you know, and yeah, I think there, because of that, there will certainly be an appeals process that actually takes some time. Right. Unlike a, you know, one of the DUI appeals, which players always do, and and it's almost never um, successful. You know, Deontay Hardy did it last year, basically knowing full well that um, that it wasn't going to be overturned. But like, he's just like, okay, let me just give my team an extra week to let some of these guys heal. <laughs> um, you know, I, we just we just don't know. That's that's the that's really where it needs to to start and stop. There is, you go. is um, yeah, there's there's just so many different parts of this where where it's completely up in the air, and it's you know one thing's dependent on the next, and yada yada yada, and uh, you know it, it 
we, we're just assuming that at some point this year he's going to have to deal with some sort of suspension. Luke Johnson, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather at by, B-Y, by Luke Johnson is the Twitter handle, and you can get all of his great content there. Two weeks from now when uh, camp gets underway and everyone's reported and they've got, you know, they're practicing, what in your mind, Luke, is, is the number one storyline heading into Saints training camp? You know, I, I was I'm actually working on something uh, kind of along these lines right now. Um, and I think, to me, it's down between um, it's down between whether Dennis Allen can keep this thing going, right, and uh, and whether Jameis Winston is uh, is really the answer at quarterback. I, I think both of those are, are really, um, you know, one and one a in terms of of you know something that we're going to be following throughout the course of the season, and something that's going to be really not only crucial to the team's success of this season, but uh, in the coming seasons, right? Um, it, they made a, a really loud and clear statement when they hired Dennis Allen, saying we are prioritizing continuity and, and we don't want things to change here. Um, obviously, Dennis is familiar with the front office. He's familiar with how they do things. He's familiar with the staff. He's familiar with the roster. Um, you know, they didn't want somebody who's going to come in and be a disruptor, right? So they were like, okay, Dennis Allen, you are the, the best candidate on our team that we already have. Um, so you're going to get the keys. And I think there's, you know, there's some, some really good parts of that for Dennis. Um, it's not like he's inhale, inheriting a, a roster that, that normal, you know, new head coaches inherit, right? He's, he's got a talented roster. He knows, he knows the front office. He's got a front office that's been in place for a long time, has had a lot of success. So it's like completely opposite of the situation he took over with the Raiders. Uh, but I think that also comes with a lot more pressure to produce right away. Um, and, you know, I think they're going to have to make a very quick decision um, on on whether Dennis Allen is, is the right guy to, to continue uh, carrying this franchise forward, right? I, I don't think he's going to be given this long runway. Um, you know, if, if they falter this year, if they falter next year, you know, I, I think it's, <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough to keep them around. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's like priority number one for me really. And then, uh, number two, you know, Jameis, I, I think those, these two are kind of tied together. Um, but you know, obviously they went out and pursued a different quarterback this off season before they brought Jameis back. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's that's this huge indictment against uh, against James Winston. Yeah, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, putting the really ridiculous, um, awful uh, you know, allegations against uh, Deshaun Watson aside for a moment. Um, if you're just considering him in a pure, in a pure football uh, standpoint, he's you know I, I think probably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. If you if you have a chance at one of those guys, and yeah, it makes sense from a football standpoint to go pursue him. But you know, I, I think that that's that's a sign to me, even though it's not a, a huge indictment against Jameis that you know, they're not entirely sold on him. And uh, and you know, I don't, I don't think he's given them reason to necessarily be entirely sold. You know, he's, he's only played uh, in eight games total and with seven starts and sure. you know, only six of those starts went through, went to full completion. And, you know, they kind of, it's not like the games he was playing last year, he was out there just uh, slinging it and willing the team to victory. You know, they were kind of win, winning 
with other parts of their team. And they, they were, you know, there was games where Jameis attempted 22, 23 passes, which is like 10 or 12 below the league average per game per quarterback. Um, so, you know, I, I think, um, I think he's got a lot to prove this year, right? Uh, both to the Saints, to himself. Uh, you know, if he wants to sign one of those big quarterback contracts, he's got to show he can do it for 17 games and lead the team to the playoffs and you know, lead the team to a playoff run and be the reason they're doing that. Um, so I, I think those are those to me. You know, all the other questions I think are are questions or storylines are are uh, beside the point. Besides those two points. Right, those those two are the most important for the team this year. Everything kind of will fall into place one way or the other, based on the outcome of those two storylines. Luke Johnson, our guest. Last Saints question for you, Luke. Last year at this time, mid July, Saints most sports books, and this isn't. I'm not going to ask you who would you bet. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm, but well, I'll get to the point. There were there were you know plus thirty five hundred, right? Thirty five to one. This year they're fifty to one at this point in time at most sports books, and I understand that you know betting lines have to do with the books and how much money they think they can get off of it, and it's not always a direct reflection of what they think will happen. But if you read the lines enough, you can you can read into them a little bit and and get a feel for the expectation around the sports world of a team's chances or odds. Um, you know, 35 to one last year at this time, 50 to one. Now, considering last year, they were nine and eight. They had, you know, more starters through only 15 games than any team in NFL history injuries, the Dolphins COVID game, all these different starting quarterbacks. We could go on and on. I mean, they, 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 they had a lot of bad hands dealt to them last year. They, they still, you know, we're uh, uh, a Rams overtime loss in week 18 away from going to the playoffs. Are you surprised? And I, I, I get the Sean Payton aspect of it. I do. But are you surprised that their odds are even longer now than they were a year ago based on what unfolded last season? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I know you just uh, you just qualified it, but I, yeah, I think – I think a lot of a lot of people are looking at what they did last season, in spite of all they dealt with, and they were like, "Wow, what a great coaching job by Sean Payton," which yeah, I think is is fair. Um, and I do think it's also fair to uh, to maybe not have as high expectations for a team in the first year under Dennis Allen because he's he's a little bit of a wild card. Uh, nobody knows really what to expect from him as a head coach. Um, so yeah. I think I understand to a degree when when expectations are a little bit lower for this team, um, just because there are so many things that are just like, well, if this happens and that happens and this happens, then you know, uh, you know, outcomes can be so wildly different. Like, I, I would not be surprised to see this team win the NFC South title and make a deep playoff run. I mean, they're really talented. Um, but all that said. <laughs> uh, like I do think that this team is, is being underrated, right? Like I get the lowered expectations, but I do think they are underrated because I, and, and underrated even compared to last year, I, I think they had some pretty obvious flaws going into last year. Yeah. Uh, ones, ones that were uh, exacerbated by, um, by, you know, stuff that we could not have possibly foreseen. Right. Um yeah, they had a they had a, a weak receiver core going into last year before Michael Thomas was we, before we understood that he'd never play a game. 
right? Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think this year they're they're stronger, uh, they're they're better top to bottom than they were a year ago. Um, so, you know, if things if things go their way a little bit more than they did last year, uh, and if Dennis Allen is is capable as a head coach, and if you know if Pete Carmichael is able to kind of keep this this Sean Payton offensive brilliance going, which you know, the Saints are very confident that he will, um, then yeah. You know, I, yeah, I think the I think the, the odds makers should be should be looking a little bit a little bit kinder at the Saints. But I just you know I, I understand that you know that's a lot of ifs and uh, you know if Michael Thomas is healthy, if yeah. Alvin Kamara yeah. you know um, you know is back to 2019, 2020 levels, whatever um, you know. But yeah, I, I do think that they're they're underrated uh, pretty much across the board. Like, and I, yeah, I, I think I'd be comfortable with them exceeding expectations. Absolutely. Like I, I, to be clear, everyone, I'm not suggesting that they should be, you know, nine to four. I don't think it should be like a top five Super Bowl betting favorite or anything like that. I just feel like 50 to one, considering last year it was 35 to one at this time. And there was, um, like you said, a lot, a, a lot of areas that were of grave concern. And my only question about it has been, you know, is that does Sean Payton have that big of an impact on the line? I was just, just surprised that it's 50 to, I, I'm thinking, you know, 30 to one, 25 to one, maybe 50 to one. I mean, people can do with that what they will. I'm not picking the Saints to win the Super Bowl, but like you, I think as far as that, ex, that national expectation goes, if you will, I'll put it that way. I think I think they'll surpass it. Uh, Luke Johnson is our guest at by Luke Johnson on Twitter. Uh, Luke and I always talk sports. We usually get into a little either war movies or television talk, but I don't want to spoil anything. I just know that when I had some time off, Luke, you know, at night when the kids were asleep, I was able to catch up on some stuff like got watch season three of Barry, watch season three of the boys. I just finished it yesterday. Um Finished Stranger Things. I had watched the first seven, but you know the last two episodes, I guess, came out. You know, beginning of July, got got through that. I won't spoil anything. I, I know you haven't seen those yet, but I know you watch at least two of those three. My thing is like, for the Stranger Things deal, it was like I had to like go on Twitter and like mute certain words and account. Like I did what I, I did the best I could to avoid spoilers. Like, how do you avoid spoilers? Being the the you know I know you and your wife like to to binge watch shows and check things out. How do you avoid all these spoilers with as much time as you have to spend online for your job? <laughs> That's a good question. Actually, uh, I think I've actually uh, I've I've had some things spoiled already. So I don't know if I'm if I'm even the right person to Uh-oh. to answer this. But I guess the um, um the way to do it is to just be uh, sometimes a comically unobservant person for uh, for somebody who's supposed to be knowing, uh, you know, who's supposed to be seeing everything and taking everything in and reporting on it. Um, it blows, it blows, uh, my, my wife's name is Chelsea. She's a, like a culture reporter. So she's, she's always in on all this stuff. Um, and it blows her mind sometimes that there's just like some things I'm completely unaware of that have been like part of the cultural zeitgeist for, you know, a, a full month. Right, and I'm like, what's that? Um, and it's you know, it's probably been uh, like floated across my Twitter screen uh, countless times. I just completely have not picked up on it. So, 
I think that helps, um, though maybe, maybe that's, that's wearing off because I have picked up a couple, especially with Stranger Things. Stranger Things, there's a lot of spoilers out there, so I think oh. maybe a lot of yeah, a lot of people in my in my little Twitter bubble uh, seem to love that show. It's it's there. You go. You just have to be. I don't know what what spoiler etiquette. It seems like it changes. Like I never watched The Sopranos. And people are like, how could you never watch it? I'm like, by the time I had time to watch it, everyone had already seen it. I had heard all this stuff. Like I just right. It's never. It's not going to happen. But like I don't get mad at someone who. I mean, it came on a long time ago. It's weird. It's like you don't want to get something spoiled like right when it airs, but where else are people supposed to go like talk about it? You know, like social media has changed spoiler etiquette. I like I I, I got so much. I was like during Game of Thrones as you know, rain is the, the top show. I like got on. I had to get on Facebook to do something for work and like, like a show. I mean, an episode had just ended and this person I went to college with like, just right there on the timeline, right when I opened it up, and I was so mad at them, and they had no idea. But I'm like, can we just wait like a day? But now I realize, you know what? I, I that's just I can't expect that. I mean, people are going to go interact and talk about it. You just have to, you have to have some kind of method, like Luke, of just trying your best to ignore everything other than just the work at hand. It's not, it's not a method, man. It's just my my brain is broken. I think, but. I will say though that I think uh, I think streaming uh, plays a part in that too, especially like like shows that release the entire season all at once. Uh-huh. Uh, because some people some people want to watch it want to watch it like you know one episode a week or something like that. You know that's fine. But there's people out there who will watch an entire season of TV in like like eighteen hours. Yeah. And then you gotta you gotta just avoid them, I guess, for <laughs> for the next the next couple of weeks while you while you like methodically make your way through a show. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I just, you know, it was the, I, I'll say this, the somebody just, I don't know, the stranger thing for the first time ever, like I didn't, it took me a few rounds of like going into like muting, not just accounts, but like certain phrases, certain words. And it was, st- there were still a few things showing up on the timeline. And finally, I think I had muted everything possible but that was the first time in my life I like put in work to not get spoiled like as much as I possibly could. And I was like kind of annoyed by it, but I realized this is just where we're at now to your point, especially with streaming. So it's hard, but I don't know, man, I, I, I don't like, I don't like the episodic way of watching things either. I, I don't like the week to week. I like, I like if a show's airing weekly, I like it to all air and then, then I'll kind of go watch it on my own time. But to do that, I got to avoid the spoilers, you know? Yeah, you know, if they, we we were talking about this earlier this week, but uh, you know, it, Chelsea and I are watching The Office right now because she'd never seen it before, and uh, you know, that's obviously like a show that I, I mean, there's yeah, I, I mean, got to be like a couple hundred episodes for that, right? And we're we're like powering through like three or four a night, and she's just like remarked a couple times about you know how there's some of these some of these things when the show was airing every week on NBC. Like it must have been such a huge payoff when you know in like season five when something happens you're just like oh man I've been waiting for that for five years yeah you know whereas we've been waiting for it for like a couple weeks you know <laughs> it's interesting it's like like it's it's totally changed uh, it's it's it changed how people changed write the way shows. people consume TV yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. whatever it's a good problem to have we're spoiled um, I mean I remember watching. On bunny ears on TVs whenever I was young, just going through commercials and 
I, this is the last point I'll make, and I'll tie it back into sports. Um, I was having a conversation last hour, and I was I was actually taking up for Adam Schefter a little bit because the Washington Post article about him giving out gifts to, you know, holiday gifts to some of his sources, not like cars or anything, but, you know, chocolates, whatever, a tie. And, and oh, this is really, really dangerous. And, and my thing was, like, I never, I don't think of Adam Schefter the way I think of you. Like, I don't think of Adam Schefter as a journalist. Like, he's a newsbreaker. It's, it's two different things. But I think, yeah. I think that, and, and I'm going somewhere with this as, as far as where our conversation was. I think back pre-streaming, like major streaming and podcast and just sports everywhere. And ESPN was like the cable king. If you were a journalist and you got on PTI or, you know, the guys on, you know, around the horn, you were like a superstar, right? Like you were a superstar. And it was because you were on TV. It wasn't just because, you know, I, I'm sorry, Tony Kornheiser. I mean, you were good, but it wasn't because of what you wrote in D.C. It was because you were on ESPN every day. You became this giant star. Same with Michael Wilbon and any journalist they got on. And now, not to say that it doesn't elevate their profile a ton, right? But the way we consume sports now has changed so much. I feel like the Woges and the Schefters and the newsbreakers of the sports world, they're now kind of the way you might have looked at people that were on Around the Horn 20 years ago. Like, you know, uh, Jay Mariotti, you know, he was on Around the Horn, uh, Woody Page, whatever. This the elevating their – I feel like now you see guys on TV all the time and there's so many different places you can see it. It's not as big a deal as it was 20 years ago. I think like the Schefters and the, the Woges of the world, they are like – they're, they're kind of like the other guys were 20 years ago. And I don't, I don't think – I mean, credit to them. They're good at their job. But I think it has to do with how we consume – sports information now the same way it's changed how we view tv and things like that the way we can we can you know consume sports info it's not as much about you know what the the journalists in denver said you know about tiger woods on around the horn it's oh my god at my fingertips what did Wo- a woj bomb he just dropped this and so how we consume sports media i think is why you know newsbreakers nowadays make uh the good ones make a whole whole lot of money luke yeah, I would love to make Schefter's nine and a half million dollar salary, right? Good Lord. Uh, but he, I mean, he even, I mean, he he cut right to that point in that article. Uh, I read it yesterday too, and um, you know they were talking about like the possibility of like one of these like gambling sites poaching him, right? Um, you know, DraftKings or whatever, and uh, and yeah, it's like, well, is, is Schefter nearly as valuable there when he doesn't have the ESPN platform? He's not on TV 24 hours a day or whatever. And like it, literally his, his response to that, to the reporter who's asking him about it is, well, are they getting my Twitter feed as well? Yeah. You know, uh, cause uh, you know, that's, that's probably more valuable than anything. I, I mean, the guy's got millions of followers on there on that platform. Um, and that's, that's as, as much as anything, yeah, I think Twitter is like, I, I really don't like going on Twitter a lot. I, you know, you got to avoid the spoilers, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but as far as, yeah, and I think it's kind of overblown, uh, in, in some respects, but like for, for some of these, you know, for, for people like Woj or Adam Schefter or like these huge accounts, I, I mean, that's, it's an extremely valuable tool. Um, and it, it has absolutely changed the game. And as far as how people consume sports media, 
you know, people people will will go. Hey, people literally have have Twitter open. I, I mean, I get it the time when people are trying to watch a game on TV and they're like tweeting at me. They're like, "Hey, stop stop tweeting so fast. You're like, you know, you're ahead of the, the play." <laughs> right, right. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's how it's how people consume sports and entertainment and everything now is is through social media channels. So That's the way it is. Yeah, it's, it's changing landscape. Luke Johnson has been our guest. Well, I see all these, you know, uh, food people on Twitter, and I'm like, man, I mean, hashtag Luke Eats Pops or Luke Eats, wherever he is. I'm like, I remember back when that was a big thing. I mean, now, you know, I'm like, I don't think Luke wanted to get in the game where he's doing TikTok videos all the time of it. But I remember when you were the foodie guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm not Gerald Grunig. <laughs> I love Gerald, man. Those, those, things, those things are great. And, and Devin, the, 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 the red beans and the rice guy. red beans and rice guy, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just great content. Um, speaking of great content, go check out Luke's stuff. Uh, follow him on Twitter at BYLukeJohnson, by Luke Johnson. And especially with camp around the corner in two weeks, he and uh, all the crew over there at the Time Speak you are going to be churning out tons of saints content you know how the fans are luke they're always hungry for it but i appreciate you taking the time as always my friend and uh looking forward to following your account and all your uh content whenever camp starts and um talking to you again in the future in the meantime you guys and see i i've never seen the office either so i i kind of envy chelsea a little bit she gets to one day i want to do it i just i just don't have the time i just don't have the time yeah, I mean, it is a commitment, man. Uh, there's like 30 episode seasons, and there's like nine of them. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll never be able to do it. But you know, it's one of those shows where I'm like, I've never seen it, and people are like, "What?" I'm like, calm down. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just you know, it's I got I got three kids. I've kind of missed it when it happened. I mean, I'm doing the best I can here. Eventually, eventually, Scott, I have faith in you, man. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that, Luke. Luke Johnson has been our guest. All the best, brother. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure, dude. Talk to you soon. You got it. Great stuff. Always love talking to Luke.